afternoon. My name is Topa and this is Get In, We're Going Healing, a place where we talk about mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Today, we are going to talk about polyvagal theory. I know most of you are like, what the heck is that? I think it's super exciting. I absolutely adore polyvagal theory. And as a special bonus to help out with our talk today, we have returning guest, Kristen. And I'm so excited because I think this is going to be so much fun. Hi, Kristen. Hi there. I think it's going to be so much fun too. I have been waiting for this. I think polyvagal theory is absolutely spectacular and it crosses so many boundaries between the biological through the psychological through the spiritual it has applications everywhere yes I agree so much and it is I mean I'm sure that they are most people don't know what it is if we were going to just sort of take a survey but in the field of psychology and health and wellness and mindfulness and trauma it is all the rage right now. Everyone is talking about polyvagal theory because it matters so much. It does. It's so interesting. So um, I guess the question is, where do we want to begin on polyvagal theory? You know, one of the places that I really like to begin on poly, poly if I could say it, it would probably help, <laughs> polyvagal theory is in imagining a traffic light. So know that we're going to be talking about the framework of a traffic light. But what I want to say when you think about polyvagal theory, the import of it, the significance of it is really just about the awareness of different states of nervous system regulation. So the way I, this is my belief that we are these vast, amazing soulful creatures that are inhabiting these 3D bodies. And that the nervous system is the operating system. And polyvagal theory is a main mechanism of the operating system of the nervous system. And so as you learn everything today, listeners, I just want you to think we're like, oh, I have felt that. Oh, that makes sense. Because in our journey, to learn things in these 3D bodies, the more you are equipped to pause yourself when you are activated, the more you are at cause in your own life, the more you can be an agent of intentionality, healing, and you can regulate yourself because more than anything, we wanna feel safe and present to have that sustained moment by moment awareness. That's called mindfulness, but when you think of the body and with the nervous system, it really like the superhighway of the body, 80% of the information goes from the body to the brain and only 20% goes from the brain to the body. So there's so much around, which is helpful, but there's so much around reframe your thoughts, positive thinking, think about something differently, have a different attitude, and I believe all those things are incredibly important, but if we are in a body that's dysregulated or that doesn't feel safe, we are born to survive and our nervous system is equipped to keep us alive. And if there is a danger cue, 
you can say I'm safe all day long, but if your body doesn't experience that, then it just won't be so. You won't feel safe, calm, and have a moment by moment sustained awareness. And so what I'm hoping from today is that there are some practices that when your body is activated, you can go, oh, my body is activated. And you can say, oh, I'm in this stage, according to polyvagal theory. And this is what I can do to get back to safety and feeling regulated and present with myself and others. So that's my big spiel about it. But what I want everyone to imagine in their mind's eye is a traffic light. And so you have red, yellow, green, red at the bottom, then yellow, then red, or excuse me, suddenly, yeah, green at the bottom, yellow, then red. Okay. So with polyvagal theory, and then I'm going to explain the vagus nerve and where it is in the body, know that that is coming. So green is at the bottom. And when you are in green, if green had words and you were feeling calm and lovely and connected and wonderful, it would say, I am, I just am. Then we might get activated by the stressors in our life. And that can mean so many different things to so many different people. It could be work, family, kids, health, traffic. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to imagine what are the things that are stressing us out. Climate change, um, voter suppression. Like, There's just so many things that can get us activated, right? When we are in yellow, above green, gone up the rung in terms of activation, and I'll explain all of this. It would say, I have to. The sense of we're moving through our life, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to get up, I have to go here, I have to manage this, I have to control this. And we all will, will be talking about what that feels like in our bodies. Then there's the red light. This is when we get into shutdown where that stress gets so overwhelming. Either it's from an incident or in a chronic fashion that our body is just holding so much stress, our nervous system goes into shutdown. And I'll be explaining more about that. And please bring the questions, Nova. If it had words, it would say, I can't. I can't. So in sharing this, I hope that your listeners will recognize when they're maybe chatting with a friend or they're on a walk in nature, whatever it is, they can go, oh, I'm green. I'm just feeling like I, I am. Or maybe they're nervous. They have to give a presentation or a job interview, but they're able to function. I have to. Then maybe something has happened interpersonally where their energy is low and they feel like they can't, can't connect with themselves or others and they're burnt out. And they've hit that wall. They can't. So that's the starting place. That's a good starting place. Good. <laughs> good. I just want to throw out just as the science in there for anyone who wants to dig a little further on your own. This is based on Stephen Porg's polyvagal theory. You can look him up if you want to get a little deeper, if that's your jam and that's something you want to get into, have at it. It's a little dry yes. if you want to start out there, but you know, if that's your jam, you can get a little deeper in there. Stephen Porg. Yeah, I think it's Porges. But Porges, that's right. Sorry. Porges. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Porges, but it's he is, he is the person who coined the term and the theory. So that's a really important place to start. And again, he is a psychiatrist. Um, I think he's a psychiatrist. He's a medical doctor who works in the field of health and healing, particularly around trauma. And he is the pioneer of polyvagal theory. So 
The next thing when you asked, where should we start with polyvagal theory? Let's talk a little bit about the anatomy and how this works. So the vagus nerve, vagus, um, poly means many, vagus means meandering, okay? And so the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve and it is located at the base of the cranium, right above the spine. And it basically, basically touches all the major organs of the body. And so in states of activation, when I say that, I mean in states of nervousness, agitation, stress, calmness, shut down, the vagus nerve really is connected to heart rate. It's connected to digestion. It touches our liver. It goes right into the intestine. So it is kind of when I was talking about that nervous system, superhighway connection of mind and body, think vagus nerve as a main messenger. And so there are three different states. Again, thinking of the traffic light. There are three different states when people talk about polyvagal. So the green light is what is called, and this is all the fancy stuff. You don't need to remember it for those who like to geek out on it. I think it's kind of cool to know, but again, the, the real focus should be just on your level of self-awareness. But when you are in green, you are in the present moment. You feel connected to joy, to yourself, to other people. It's a place of calm and connection. And that's called ventral vagal, okay? And that is the most evolved, when you think about our ancestry, this is the most evolved part of our body, our brain, our nervous system. Okay. Then when you think about when you get nervous and agitated, and I feel like I don't need to give a ton of, a, of examples for those things because who of us don't experience a lot of unwelcome nervousness and agitation? That is called um, sympathetic activation. And now I'm going to get into more science. So there are two branches of the nervous system. There is the sympathetic branch, which is the upregulated heart rate going, blood pressure going, you're a gazelle on the Serengeti, you're being chased by a cheetah. You got to run like hell. You're not thinking about digesting your lunch. You got to get all the blood to your extremities to keep yourself alive. That's sympathetic. I think of it often as like, merging onto the freeway. You're hitting the accelerator and you go really fast. That's upregulation, that's synthetic. That is, I have to, I have to merge. I have to keep up. What is also really important because most of us don't have as much difficulty with trying to be, you know, we have a lot of unwelcome nervousness. What we don't have is a lot of welcome calmness. What most of us wanna to learn to do is downregulate so that we can be calm and in the parts of our brain that are most evolved and uh, most expansive and creative and joyful. And so the other side of the um, nervous system in terms of these two branches is called parasympathetic. And that is downregulating, that is rest and digest, okay? So when you are in yellow, going back to the traffic light, and you are upregulated, you are in ventral vagal. Symptoms, heart rate, clammy palms, nervous, agitated, I have to. So then going further, and this speaks to trauma, is when trauma is either so severe or chronic. And what's really important is trauma isn't something that this trauma is worse than this trauma. 
It's just how the body and the mind metabolize something that is beyond our resources to cope with. What is traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to another person and everyone processes it differently and everyone's nervous system is different. It's not good or bad, but often when something is as threatening as it is, we go into shutdown. Think of it as plain possum. And that is the most, that is the oldest part of our nervous system, right? I just think of it as plain possum. I think of it as all of those like fish at the bottom of the ocean when there is a predator, they will play dead. It's the shutdown response to keep them alive. There was a really interesting story when I was taking a course on this, there was a therapist who was sharing that she was in New York City and she was at some sort of counselors or psychology conference and she and um, a colleague and friend went to Central Park to eat lunch or have a snack or what have you. And as they were sitting there, these two ladies on a bench, they were mugged. And the one who was telling the story just, she didn't, it was not a choice. This is called neuroception. It's the nervous system perception of what's going on. It is not conscious. It is just how we react in the event of threat or anything, but this one happens to be threat. So they're getting mugged. She just like starts wailing on this guy. She grabs her purse. She's screaming. She's kicking him. She's hitting him. She doesn't even know what's taking over her body. It's like she went into fight. She was in sympathetic activation. Her friend, without any active deliberation or intention, went into shutdown. She became small. She became detached, right? She shut down. And so the incident ends and they both create narratives about who they are. One, as they go back and they start recounting what happens with their fellow colleagues at the colleagues is saying, yeah, I just started fighting. And everyone's like, wow, you're so powerful. You're so brave. You're so courageous. Mm -hmm. You're so strong. And she noticed her friend went into shame because her friend was like, I cannot believe in the face of this. I never thought I'd be someone who just didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Important about the story is to recognize neither one of them made a choice. That was a nervous system reaction. And we all are wired differently. And so what it makes me think about is the victims of assault. When it's like, well, if you truly were assaulted, why didn't you fight back? Mm-hmm. When fights back or doesn't fight back sometimes is not a choice. It is about survival. Mm-hmm. And so dorsal is shutting down and children do this when there's chronic abuse happening. Often they just dissociate or shut down and they look sort of like it's that word. I don't think that's, I don't even want to a say thousand it. yard stare. Yeah, you're stare, right? They look like complicit. They look like they don't care. They look vacant, but they're just, their nervous system is doing what it knows to do to survive. Yeah, I, as you say that, I flash back to my own childhood of just, it was shut down. It was the easiest way was to shut down and wait for it to be over so that you could go because you couldn't go until it was over. So you just shut down completely blank face and just stare. I used to stare through my mother, not even at like through Mm -hmm. her, just waiting for her to be done screaming at me just so I could leave. Yes. It's a really amazing adaptation. It keeps people alive in the worst of circumstances. 
And again, the important thing as we are then outside of those circumstances, and what's an important word in all of this is neuroplasticity, which, which is a fairly recent one, that by the time we are adults, our brains are not fixed. They are not like, you know, hard metal that cannot be rewired. Adaptations to trauma from our past have been wired. So you've got all these neural networks that say, okay, in the face of this, this is how you respond. In the face of this, this is how you respond. When someone is yelling at you, you shut down. You can rewire your brain to be in aligned with who you are, your values, your integrity, your intentions. It's certainly not easy, but it is possible. Anytime someone picks up a new habit, they're rewiring the brain. Anytime they go from being reactive and explosive, perhaps, to more calm, introspective, and deliberate, they're creating new neural networks that the more you do those things, alternative routes to being reactive and you're being more calm, the more those grooves become um, readily traveled and deeper and more likely to be accessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I found that to be true. Yes, I, <laughs> I, used to, I used to be the yelly mom. I used to yell and scream because that was the environment in which I was raised. That was what I defaulted to as a new parent, because that's what I experienced. And that was the only thing that I actually knew. And over time of changing that, my son actually says, mom, you don't yell. And I'm like, I used to, he's, he's at the age, fortunately, I, I stopped it at a point where he doesn't remember um, that I used to be that way, which I'm really grateful for because I, I do remember being very yelly, very screechy, very like explosive. Mm -hmm. it, once I was triggered, once it was too much, I would blow. And over time I've been able to change that. And now the irritation comes up, but it doesn't, it doesn't even begin to touch the way that it used to because of oh, that neuroplasticity. Because of the neuroplasticity and what I'm hearing, number one, is the conditioning. Like that is how you were conditioned. And that was how your nervous system was even trained to be very, very reactive. So if you were to say what place you were in using polyvagal theory, like were you in sympathetic? Are you now in, you know, this just nice like ventral vagal? Like what is your experience in terms of your own neuroception living from the inside out your nervous system just being in operation what is your I, would have, I would have been definitely into pair or into a sympathetic nervous system like instantly the moment it just would skyrocket instantly and now i would say i'm definitely more the the ventral vagal i'm definitely more chill and relaxed and i'm able to pause and think and problem solve when the situations come up rather than react, I'm responding rather than reacting now. That's great. So what a gift. Been, it's been yeah. work. <laughs> it, all of this is work, but the payoff is, is so significant. I mean, these are Very the, much. yes, yes. It is our responsibility to learn how to be in this 3d body and understand it would be like if you had a job and they said okay here's the software we're using and i want you to operate it you got to know what does what so that you can optimize it we need to optimize our lives so that we can show up and who doesn't want to be more often in ventral vagal mm -hmm. feel, feel calm and you can more often be that way doesn't mm -hmm. mean <laughs> 
as you you were talking about some other stuff, I found some interesting facts about the vagus nerve that things that it controlled that I wasn't even aware it controlled. And then I was like, well, look at that. I didn't know that. One of the things I thought was really interesting, um, it affects the muscles of the ears as well. So when you're, when you're triggered, your hearing isn't as good. I knew that other things were, but your sight and your hearing are not as good when you are triggered. When right. you are in your calm ventral vagal state, your eyesight improves, your hearing improves, and so does your smell. Yes, yes, I love that. So what I said is that it's the cranial nerve that connects to all these different organs in the body, but it also has all these little like tentacles that travel around the... Um, the ear and the occipital lobe, like a lot of the exercises, because folks who are listening, you can tone your vagus nerve. People who have greater tonal vagus nerve tone are more emotionally resilient and they can move from these different states with greater intentionality. So there are exercises that you can do around tugging your ear and in a state of trauma. And when you're in sympathetic activation or dorsal shutdown, you are absolutely right the tone of people's voices changes. What you see changes, right? There's just so much, which is why it's so important. And this is another sidebar, but there are safety and danger cues coming at us all the time. I remember uh, I used to have, and I still do, but nothing to the extent that I did, hated to fly, would have panic attacks. It happened in my thirties. I had flown my whole life, didn't have a problem with it. A lot of trauma had um, accumulated over the years and circumstantially what was happening in my life made it such that my nervous system was just chronically in a state of overactivation and sympathetic activation. And so I had all of that cortisol and adrenaline and all of these stress hormones um, coursing through me and I wasn't sleeping. Needless to say, I get on a plane traveling for work and I had a full-blown panic attack. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. But going forward, a danger cue for me became, you know, when you're sitting on a plane and you hear, ding, ding, so innocuous to someone else, absolute danger cue for me. So it's important to understand the associations our brain makes. But even when you're thinking about your own world and how you make up your life, and I can see it with you, with the things that you have around you, but myself as well, in my desk, I surround it with safety cues. They're all things that are beautiful and meaningful and calming and grounding to me so that I'm getting these inputs because it's all about input and output. I'm getting these inputs that register to my brain and to my nervous system. You are safe. You are safe. Pictures of families, flowers, crystals, candles, artwork, colors that are pleasing. Mm -hmm. That is a way of regulating my nervous system. And you can do that with intentionality to recognize it's not just pretty or frilly or insubstantial. It's quite important to nervous system regulation. Mm -hmm. I very much agree as I sit here with my lovely meditate candle running yes. beside me. So then I also do my, I've got my scent as well. Exactly. This brings in that whole vibe of just, I feel comfortable and at ease. Exactly. Exactly. That is nervous system regulation. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Look at that. It's yeah. not as complicated as it sounds, folks. It's not. It's not. 
So then let's get a little more into what do we do? So now we acknowledge, we have this awareness, we are in our sympathetic nervous system, we've hit the yellow or the red. So now what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah. So there are different drills that you can do, and they are very extensive. The most important thing with any of the drills, and I don't know all of them, but I will share some because I really want everyone to have takeaways and to have a level of immediacy that if they notice that they're in sympathetic or they're in shutdown, that they can practice one or more of these drills to see what works. What works for me may not work for you. Again, everyone's nervous system is different. So it's this awareness. Everything we're talking about right now and the invitation of polyvagal theory is to uplevel your awareness so that you can care for yourself from a more informed, self-aware place. And so I know last time I was on your show, I taught this. I'm going to teach it really briefly again because it's such an easy one. And then we can talk about different ones as well. But the first one connects to this two branches of the nervous system, sympathetic and parasympathetic. Breathing is one of, if not the most immediate way that you can physiologically change your state and tone and engage the, the vagus nerve, okay? And so when we inhale, we're activating sympathetic nervous system. We are getting an uptick in our heart rate and our blood pressure, so we're upregulating. And when we exhale, we're engaging parasympathetic, so it's downregulating. But anytime there is diaphragmatic breathing, we are touching the vagus nerve as it meanders throughout our body around the diaphragm. So what it's doing is it's toning it. So when you think about, and I'll demonstrate what's called ratio breathing in just a minute. But when you think about people who practice Tai Chi, who practice yoga, they often have greater emotional resilience. They also have greater vagal tone because so much of those practices is about breathing, body awareness, and movements that engage and tone the vagus nerve. And they focus primarily on the breath. So ratio breathing is inhaling through the nose for a short, this is where the ratio comes in for a short period of time, then exhaling through the mouth through pursed lips as if you're blowing through a straw. So for example, you would breathe in and there's no magic number, it's tuning into your body to know what that ratio is because if you're activated, it might be different than if you're shut down versus it might be different if you are um, already in ventral vagal and you just wanna be as chilly chill and lovely as possible. Um, and it's interesting too, because for dorsal, you might wanna upregulate right? If you're really shut down, you might want to just engage your body and give it some energy. So you may not want to do this particular ratio breathing, but it's like inhale through your nose for a count of say four. And then you're exhaling slowly through pursed lips through say eight, 10, 12, 16, whatever feels right to what your body needs in the moment. And the magic number is to do it six times. And when I say six, I mean, inhale and exhale is one. Inhale and exhales too. So it's a breath cycle. So that is ratio breathing. Another really simple thing to do. And what I love about ratio breathing, breathing is you can be on the subway, you can be walking to a meeting, any no one is going like, what in the world is that woman or human being doing in that moment? Um, it can be on the slide, you're just regulating. Um down regulating for that one. Another one is like with yoga is cat cow. 
And so for those of you who are aware, and I know not everyone's gonna be able to visually see this, and this is sort of awkward because you can only see part of me, but um, cat is when you're on, and cat cow is when you're on all fours. And the cat is when you're arching your back and your tailbone is going up and your head and chin are going up. You got, you got a better hand than I do. That's really, that's what, that's what it is right there, right? That is in the vagus nerve. And then cow, I got to see your hand, Toba, is right, is when you're making that lovely sort of bow with your back and doing that with the breath is another way of toning the vagus nerve. I'm going to give you two more just right now. I'm going to give you more later, depending on where this conversation goes. But another way of toning the vagus nerve is through humming. Because when you think about how the location of it against in your spine and in your throat and up around your, um, your ears, it's vibrating it. Okay. And so something um, that people can do, there's so many different ways of humming, just like if you were going to sing like happy birthday, <laughs> right? But another thing to do, if you find that you are stressed, I love ones that are sort of like compound exercises. I want to get the most bang for my buck when I'm stressed out and it's sympathetic activation. I want to get back into ventral vagal as soon as possible is actually either singing a song that you know the lyrics for or making up a song. And what that does, and I'm gonna get really technical here, is it gets you into what's called task positive network in terms of your brain. And these are terms used with meditation. I'm just showing off right now, sharing all of these things. Um, but, um, but so you're toning vagus nerve with the singing and the humming, and you are focusing on finding words. Because let's say you're about to, I mean, what makes you nervous, Tova? Like, what would get you unsympathetic? Um, oh, having a difficult conversation with someone that I know it's going to end up being difficult. Okay. Okay. So it's the anticipatory. I'm about to walk into this conversation. It's going to be difficult. So you start to get into sympathetic. What's also happening in those moments, if you are agitated and nervous and in sort of dread and your body goes into a fear response, your nervous system, you're also going into what's called your amygdala. That is like an amygdala. It's called an amygdala hijack. David Goleman, a couple, famous couples therapist, called it the amygdala hijack. The amygdala is like the emotion center, the fear center of the brain. And when we are in our amygdala, we're mostly in our um, limbic system, which some people think of as like lizard brain. It's the oldest, it's the least evolved. So we're not getting to these other parts of our brain, like the prefrontal cortex, where we can think through things more thoroughly, see someone else's perspective, practice empathy, right? And so in those moments, let's say you're about to go into a conversation with someone that you were dreading and feeling like this could be really, really tense. You could take a moment to make up a song and hum it. I'm going to do really well. <laughs> whatever, you're, whatever you're saying to yourself. All I'm thinking just for a moment, I'm seeing Will Ferrell as Alf sings. Just, I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm wrapping presents and I'm singing. Yes, yes. Beautiful. And look what that just did to you. What did that just do to your nervous system? I'm actually more calm than I was a moment ago, but like in a, in a jazzy, happy, positive endorphin sort of way. Yes. Because laughing also tones the vagus nerve. 
But when we're in the amygdala and when we're really stressed out, so we're in sympathetic, we're in amygdala hijack, what happens is, is that we are in default mode network. We're thinking about the past, we're thinking about the future, we are not in the moment, we are in a suspended, suspended animated place of fear and agitation. What Tova just did was she sang, she hung, she connected with the positive memory, and she got into sympathetic, she, excuse me, into ventral, and she toned her vagus nerve. That quick, that quick, humming, singing, thinking of words to a song, right? Those tone the vagus nerve. That was you know a lot so interesting. That is, okay, that it's tying in so many things right now with that. Some friends and I, or some spiritual friends and I have talked about this before as ways that we can raise our vibration. If you're talking from the, the perspective of spiritual and you get into the, the vibrations and whether you're vibrating low or high, my friends and I used to talk that we noticed that when we are in a low vibrational state, the fastest way to bring ourselves into a higher vibrational state is singing and we'll we'll notice that we'll flip on my friend said she'll turn on her car radio and it's always something good that comes on and i'll flip on spotify and just hit like shuffle and it's always when i'm in this low vibrational state that like one of the first songs that comes on is something to sing along with and i do definitely notice that when i sing along with songs it does raise my vibration and i do feel better yes yes that is so powerful. I want you to think of monks who chant together. I want you to think of gospel churches who sing together, raising collectively or individually our vibration connected to, and I'm thinking of like just heart chakra, right? Like it's a place of love and joy and connection. And physiologically, you're toning your vagus nerve. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, I don't sing. Well, then if you don't, other things you can do. When people get really nervous, they often say, why don't you just um, splash some cold water on your face? That tones the vagus nerve. It's just you know, like, so truth be told, I am likely to splash cold water on my face, but if you really want to be like just a total badass and you're like, I'm going to go for major, major vagus nerve, I'm going to say this with a caveat. If you were someone who was highly sensitive, if you are someone who is often activated and traumatized, just this is again where the awareness is. People who are like, I'm really going to go for vagal uh, tone, they will submerge themselves in ice water. I've seen that. It seems to yeah. be very popular on Instagram right now. Yes, yes. And so they come out and they will find that they are more calm and present. If you are someone who's highly sensitive or highly traumatized, that could be too much. Start by putting your hands under cold water. See how that feels. Try splashing it on your on your face. Try maybe turning the water down in the shower. Even that to me, I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. So you got to know you. And other people, <laughs> I just get to splashing part of the face. Um, but it's worth it, and, and it's therapeutic. That's really cool. I have seen a lot of that lately and uh, I haven't really dug into why they're doing it. I understood that it had something to do with uh, just regulation. Uh, I follow Mel, Mel Robinson on uh, Instagram and she did one where she's got this like barrel 
and she came out and she submerged herself in this barrel and the whole time I'm like oh no yeah 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 (laughs) as someone who gets cold easily I don't I don't I don't want that but I didn't understand I knew that it was supposed to increase your tolerance for different things but I didn't know that it had anything to do with with toning the vagus nerve that's really awesome Yes. And again, I hope everyone is hearing this, like what we are moving towards is yes, self-awareness, greater vagal tone. And the reason for better vagal tone is that you are more emotional, emotionally resilient and more stress resilient. So we don't want to be hijacked. We don't want to be in sympathetic as much. But again, it's not to demonize those states. They are very intelligent states that serve us very well, but it's almost like a button gets jammed. If like your example of the yelling and your relationship to your mother as a child, if we've been conditioned and neuroplasticity is such that we go to a stress response over and over and over and over again, we are not a choice in our life. We have this fear button jammed. The amygdala is continually lit up. It's miserable. We suffer in a way that we could alleviate our suffering if we knew how to unjam the button and understanding our vagus nerve is one of the avenues to start to go, oh my goodness, I can unjam that button and move from sympathetic to ventral. That's awesome. I've uh, I've said similar things for quite some time. I used to explain to my clients that your body does not understand the difference between a bear is about to eat me and I have a deadline coming up in like two days that I have to get done and you're stressed out about it. Your body is responding in exactly the same way, even though you're not going to get eaten. If you don't meet your deadline, you're not going to get torn apart, but your body's still reacting as if it's the same level of intensity, even though it's not. Exactly. And that chronic stress is really bad for our health as someone who lives with autoimmunity and who's highly sensitive, like it has caused harm to my body. So learning my own operating system that yes, my body is trying to keep me alive. It's been conditioned from trauma early on um, that now I deal with certain autoimmune issues that I believe I am and have the capacity to heal. And this is one of the healing modalities. I, uh, yeah, I, I totally identify with <laughs> I I really do identify with that. I totally get you on that. And like what you were saying before about uh, yoga and um, Tai Chi and all that sort of stuff with the deep breathing and that I didn't really recognize it before when I used to do yoga. But since I started having a more regular yoga practice and doing a yoga at a studio, I have noticed there's a big emphasis on the breathing with it. I used to take yoga at the gym and trouble with yoga at the gym is these aren't yogis. These are not yoga instructors. These are people who are offering a yoga like workout, but there's no, there wasn't focus on breathing until I joined an actual yoga studio. And now there's the whole time is we're going to breathe in and extend out and we're going to breathe out and extend it a downward dog. And then we're, and we're going to hold a cycle of breath and I I do the yin classes, which are like the long holds and the focus on the yin classes is the long holds, but it's also being aware of the breathing and the mindfulness and bringing your awareness back to the sensation of the stretch during that three minute hold when your brain is starting to wander off into no man's land. There's so much focus on the deep breathing. And as you said, 
the, with the longer breathing, the ratio breathing, because there's focus in the class too, of making sure that your exhale is a full, complete exhale and not like, and moving on. It's the. Right, right. I am really impressed that you're doing that. It's, it's such a wonderful example of going back to this idea of these, you know, these very transcendent beings in this little sentient world that our bodies, when we are embodied, really do offer this beautiful invitation to have a spiritual practice in an embodied way. So you're getting the healing, but you're also speaking of raising vibration. You are totally shifting your consciousness. You are becoming far more open to messages, spiritual connection, like using your body and your breath and healing this beautiful body that can become so harmed by the effects of chronic stress and trauma. It's an important thing to do. Yes, I, I've made jokes for years. I've made jokes, but there's this, a note of seriousness in it. I joke that I want to see my centennial. I want to, I want to hit my hundredth birthday and I want to make it there. And I want to still be active. I, if you've seen the, the lady that teaches yoga, there's a video that was circulating. She's like in her nineties and she's teaching yoga. And she, I'm just like, okay, that, that is hashtag goals right there. I want to be that lady right there. I want to, I want to be in my senior years moving towards my centennial and not be like hobbled over on a walker and unable to function and move. I want, and I recognize that this physical vessel that I live in, which is only a temporary vessel oh. that I recognize if I don't take care of it, that's not going to be my reality. I'm not going to get to that point of being that 95, 98, hundred year old lady walking around, still actually walking under my own physical power, unless I start doing the stuff to take care of it yes yes amen to that mm -hmm. I tell my clients that all the time I'm like listen guys this is an investment into yourself when people used to say that they didn't have the money for a massage and I get it massage can be very expensive if you don't have the things but I was willing to discount for people and I found a lot of people were unwilling to make a regular practice for coming for a massage for maintenance and I kept trying to explain this body is it this is it nobody says hey you made it to 50 here's a new one this exactly. is Lord this is what I you get that were. <laughs> this is all you get yes so you, you have to care for it. You have to feed it the right fuel. And like people say, well, yeah, okay, but I could take junk. And I'm like, but listen, think about your car. If you put sugar water in your gas tank, would you get anywhere with it? You put liquid in the tank, it's got stuff in it, but is it what your car needs in order to do its stuff? No, it's not going to run at its best capacity if that's what you're putting in there. Right. Gasoline that's right. is what it needs. If you fill your body with sugar water, by the same token, with all the sugar and junk that we eat, when we fill it with that stuff, our bodies can't use any of that stuff effectively. So it doesn't do the stuff it's supposed to do. And then, Well, it doesn't not just do the stuff that it's supposed to do. It actively does harm. Yeah. Actively does harm. And as someone who is, I am in my 50s, my body speaks louder to me. Like when I was in my twenties, I could have a few glasses of wine and I felt great. Now I have one and I'm hungover. 
Like, it's just not fair, <laughs> but it's right. also, there becomes a higher level of urgency that my body is so more in tuned to like, cannot accept preservatives, cannot accept sugar, like the cumulative effect of it really becomes something that is quite threatening and dangerous to my well-being in the moment and the promise of longevity and mm-hmm. quality. Mm-hmm. That's that was a big change in my diet change and in doing more active stuff and in meditating more and more frequently. I now my husband keeps saying, well, how come you don't watch these shows? Because I used to binge TV shows and I, I enjoyed it. But now I very rarely, very rarely make time to watch programming because I could be reading a book. I could be meditating. I could be, there's like a million things I could be doing that is better for me in the long term than just watching episodes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have spent a few days just sitting okay, on the good, couch. I, there are some shows I like. There are some shows I like. And the thing is, it's, it's the idea of, of saying, am I a choice or am I using social media, TV, news, whatever it gets back to the idea of input. What am I inputting? Am I doing it because I want to numb out? Because I don't want to feel? Because I don't want to be aware of the present moment? Dissociating. My, my despair. Yeah, am I dissociating because being present to what is doesn't feel good? So whether we are grabbing, you know, ice cream or grabbing a glass of wine or turning on social media or binge watching Netflix, are you being present to your life? And if you're saying I'm choosing to watch Netflix because this brings me joy and this is what I'm choosing to do and it's going to be for this amount of time, there's the conscious choice versus the default to tune out and dissociate. And it's only up as much like everyone has a different nervous system. Like you do with you, with your operating system, with your soul, with your mind, with your body, with your emotions, you do you, but is it a conscious choice and is it for whatever you were choosing to do? Does it support your highest good. Exactly. Getting back to the um, the vagus nerve thing, I saw something else I thought was really interesting. And I just, as we're talking about like numbing out and things like that, it just kind of clicked. So one of the things I noticed was really interesting was uh, I found an article that talked about our epinephrine or adrenaline is what's released when we're in our sympathetic nervous system. And it talked about low levels of epinephrine and norepinephrine can result in anxiety, depression, blood pressure, low blood pressure, low heart rate, low blood sugar, and hypoglycemia, migraines, and problems sleeping. So I found that sat with me for a minute and I had to think about the implications of that and said, hold on. So does that mean someone who has low blood pressure, naturally, I'm one of those people who just naturally has low blood pressure. Does that make you just by the very nature that your pressure is low from what I, what the research I'd gotten into talked about epinephrine and norepinephrine's purpose is that when the blood, the blood pressure gets too low, it kicks in and makes the blood vessels skinnier. So it pushes the pressure higher, which of course is not the only thing it does, but that's one of the things that it does for that purpose. If someone has low blood pressure and low blood sugar, and that system kicks in to roll it through, are they more likely to end up with issues of anxiety and depression? 
is there, I haven't done the research because now my brain is like, Ooh, now I want to know. I want to see the numbers, but now I'm really curious people who have, who are chronically depressed or people who have issues with anxiety. Is there an actual connection between having an overactive or an underactive vagus nerve, an untoned vagus nerve? Do those things so the answer is, I have no effing idea, but I think you're on <laughs> really, really, really fascinating. What I have found in working with, and this, I have the biggest caveat to say, I am not trained in this area. I come to it with curiosity and fascination. So I am not even in a position to begin to answer that question. But when working with functional medicine doctors, when working with um, applied kinesiology, when working with naturopaths, the relationship between mind, emotion, and body, and this nervous system dysregulation is profound, right? It is profound. So I would be, quite honestly, incredibly surprised if what you're saying didn't bear some fruit, whether moving towards your hypothesis or another. My point is, it's most likely very connected. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, if that's the job. If that's the hormone's job is to increase pressure, right? Which also begs the question, people who have high blood pressure, is their problem that their vagus nerve is overactivated? Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting. So I don't know if this answers your question, but it brings up something for me because I've struggled throughout my life with anxiety. Again, I'm a highly sensitive person. I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. Um, and I have some medical trauma. And so things like going to the doctor or getting blood drawn, I get what's called vasovagal syncope, which is a very fancy way of saying I faint. So it's it's like um, a shutdown. I go into dorsal and I shut down to the point where I pass out. And it is like in those moments, it feels like, okay, well then do ratio breathing. Well, actually that's down-regulating me too much because I'm already getting low blood pressure, low heart rate, right? And so that is why the awareness is, is so important. So I don't, I know that doesn't answer your question, but I'm saying there's real complexity to understanding your own physiology and what is needed in that moment. It doesn't answer my question, but it brings up another thought. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're already in, a lower depressed state and we try to do if we try to do deep breathing it's actually going to do the opposite that's what i'm really been wrestling with and i want to talk to someone who can give a definitive answer because intuitively when i go into dorsal shutdown what i need is more of an aroused state right? I need more of an aroused state um, because it's this vasovagal syncope is a stress response, but it's a dorsal shutdown and it's a lowering of blood pressure and heart rate, right? So I would think intuitively it's about more of the inhale, you know, oh, right? right? It's the inhale <clears throat> to activate sympathetic because you, you want to get more of that blood circulating into the extremities versus the sort of like the lowering of the blood pressure. I'm already real low because of, again, my body's greatest imperative is to keep me alive. And if the threat felt such that 
I needed to shut down and not be there. That is the response. And I also want to extend that into, you know, we're talking about depression and anxiety, which so many of us can relate to. They're both, to me, like two sides of the same coin, much like sympathetic, parasympathetic. Yeah, you're you're nodding your head, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I totally get that. You're either really, really shut down. You're in dorsal. You can't get out of bed. You can't get motivated. You have no life energy. Or you're in um, this extremely activated sympathetic state. And it's hard to find equilibrium. It's either one or the other, mm-hmm. which is exhausting right and think of what that does to your hormones and to your endocrine system so then if you were in the depressed state then even though it's difficult to get out of it the answer would most likely to be get into a more activated state which is probably going to be get up and move Yes, that's exactly right. So another thing to do in terms of vagal toning, that's in its, and I absolutely understand because I, I've experienced depression, like to say to someone who's just physiologically, emotionally, spiritually feeling so shut down, it doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like a state and it feels like a state that we're trapped in. And the thoughts of depression have convinced us of realities that don't exist, but they feel real because every cue coming in tells us such. But in those moments, and with some of vagal toning, is stretching, is like nervous system activation or ridding the body of toxins and endorphins and dorsal state could be turning on some music and moving your body, pretending you have slugs stuck to your skin and you got to shake it off. You got to shake it off movement does wonders to shift the nervous state because in depression we're in dorsal so we need to back to awareness deliberately stiff shift the state we're in i like that i like <laughs> that a lot yeah i want to say it, it i saw something else recently about that and it's now echoing <laughs> i saw something else that was talking about um Oh, you know what? I want to say it was um, the holistic psychologist. I follow her on Instagram and I absolutely adore her. And she had talked about um, same type of thing, shaking, rocking, just when you, when you're in that activated state, she, she just kind of exampled like just rocking back and forth with the shoulders and like just rocking back and forth and to the music. Cause I do find same thing when I turn on music, I don't even notice I'm doing it, but I start to shift back and forth. It's. Right. So there's so many things that are biological, biologically sort of um, hardwired into us that we don't even think about it. One of the things when I think about polyvagal in these different states, whether it's, you know, um, green, yellow or red, is when you imagine yourself in a city, city block, and you're about to step off a curb to cross the street and suddenly a car or a cyclist whizzes by. Right. You feel your body go into this fight or flight and you are flooded with these stress hormones as children and even animals in the wild or domesticated animals. They will literally shake it off. So back to the gazelle on the Serengeti, let's say she flees the cheetah. She will do this sort of vibration thing because it's completing the stress cycle to get the cortisol to be discharged so that she can get back to ventral vagal and then she'll go back to grazing. Children, when there are natural disasters, young children, they will shake and then they are more resilient. Whereas the adults like stiff upper lip, don't let them see you sweat, protect everyone. 
they have the embodied trauma for years to come, right? So have you ever noticed after you step off that curb, either you're crying or you're laughing? Yeah. Yeah. We don't even know why I'm laughing laughing and I'm shaking. Like that is the nervous system and the vagus nerve trying to complete the stress cycle. But usually what we do is something like that. Let's say we're working in a corporate office and, you know, we just got embarrassed or we gave, uh, you know, a presentation and it didn't go well or something happened where, you know, all of this cortisol and this sympathetic activation happens. We have to look fine. So we just sort of swallow and keep going, but our body is holding on to it. The body is keeping core. What we would need to do is go into the bathroom, go into a room, step outside and literally move your body, stretch your body, move your mouth, like do anything to discharge the stress that just got trapped in there. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's really good. good stuff. That is really good stuff. <clears throat> so to sum up for our listeners, if they should find themselves in um, sympathetic nervous, system and activation throw off some key points of stuff that they could do to bring themselves back down into that dorsal yeah really or back into um ventral vagal dorsal is shut down oh my bad yeah. ventral vagal it's okay it's okay i do it all the time so um breathing you want to if you are activated and sympathetic and you want to get to ventral you want to do ratio breathing where it's longer on the exhale that will immediately calm down your system while training and toning the vagus nerve. You want to hum or sing. You want to shake or move. Uh-huh. You can splash cold water. Those are just three things that you can do. Know that there's so much more. There are things, and if you look up even YouTube, like toning the vagus nerve, there are things that you can do around your ear, okay? Tugging and pulling and massaging your ear. There's also a movement, and I encourage everyone to look this up, called the basic the basic okay make a note of that look at it pull it out this so um accessing the healing power of the vagus nerve this is written by stanley rosenberg who was a physical therapist and he worked with stephen porges and stephen porges endorses this basic movement which aligns on your vertebrae c1 and c2 so there's greater blood flow to your brain because if we're not getting enough blood flow to the brain it engages sympathetic nervous system so this move calms the body and that super highway from mind to body becomes in a relaxed safe place so the basic that's number four very cool so that now that's when we're in fight or flight so now when we are stuck in shutdown what are some things that people can do if they find themselves in the shutdown space to bring them back to that homeostasis normal level? Yeah, well, that's where you want to upregulate and that's where you want to have deeper breaths where it's longer in the inhale and less on the exhale when you're thinking about the mechanics of the, the two branches of the nervous system. You also want to move your body. You want to shift the energy. Think of cues that you want to see that inspire you step outside, right? Everything is a safety cue or a danger cue. We want to have safety cues, but also if you are in depression, move your body, keep breathing, get some exercise, even if it's literally walking to the mailbox, move your body. That 
is an effort to regulate your body differently so that you are going from the homeostasis of dorsal into more of activation, which is then even just like getting you back to green. I am. Not I can't, but I am. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kristen. This was a fantastic talk. You don't even know how exciting this was. <laughs> it's I so very rarely, I so very rarely get to get dig into the meat and potatoes of the, the anatomy and the endocrine system. And I find all that stuff like so interesting and so few people around me do. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure you've got people who are listening who are really fascinated. And again, this is just about awareness. I certainly am not an expert in um, the endocrine system because I am not like a functional medicine doctor or anything. But what my hope is, is that when people leave, they understand at a sort of 30,000 degree or 30,000 foot, excuse me, vantage point, like what is polyvagal? How do I know what state I'm in? Do I have tools to regulate myself to the state I want to be in when I'm in distress? And I'm so grateful that you helped to give our listeners tools. And so for all those who are paying, paying attention, we've talked about this in season one as well. In our mindfulness episode, we talked about it a bit in our ego stories episode. We talked a bit about it in our cognitive therapy episode, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, excuse me. Uh, we've talked about it in our uh, feel your feelings episode. There's a, a, quite a few episodes that we've talked about similar concepts. So if you're still looking for ideas of ways to help regulate yourself, you may want to check out those episodes for some further options and ideas you can test out try what you try what you want see what works for you see what doesn't if it doesn't work for you that's okay throw it away and try something else till you find what works for you so until next time Kristen thank you so much for joining me for this I definitely want to talk again because there's like a wealth of knowledge and we haven't begun to mine how much you had what you know and there's so much to talk about so I definitely want to have you back again and we'll we'll find another amazing wonderful topic to talk about thank you Tova for everything you're doing it's always such a pleasure you are amazing thank you thank you so until next time fellow humans Love and light. Keep dropping those things that are holding you back from being your best, most authentic you. Let it go. You don't need that stuff anymore. It's all in the past. Let it go. So fellow human, love and light. Till next time.